Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. The most anticipated event in sports is upon us. We'll break down this year's Super Bowl matchup and talk about the most memorable moments and games from Super Bowls of the past. What are the keys to victory for both teams? What kind of game plans can we expect? We'll talk to insiders from both teams to get you ready for Sunday's matchup. The Super Bowl is on track to smash sports betting records. We'll make our own predictions, just for fun of course, and take you through a list of prop bets. I'm Bob Anderson. I'm Dave Glass. And I'm Henry Sutter. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go under review. Sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. On Connect FM, your only local news radio. Welcome to Under Review for Wednesday, February 7th. Dave Herzing is coaching again, so we have Henry Sutter back with us. Henry, thanks again for coming in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Getting a little bit of a rhythm here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and at long last, Super Bowl week is here, guys. After a long training camp, 18 weeks of regular season play, and another 12 playoff games, it will all be decided Sunday, beginning at 6.30 p.m. We'll save our predictions here for later in the show, but how do you guys feel about the matchup overall, and is there any particular storyline that intrigues you? Well, I I think... I think what I heard from a lot of people in the community almost right away after the two weeks ago is, oh, not the Chiefs again. And I know you feel that way, Bob. But to me, uh, you got on one side, the storyline is, is is the greatness of Reed and Mahomes. I mean, this is a dynasty. Whether they win or lose, it's just how much of a dynasty are they? And on the other side, I, I just love this Brock Purdy story. I, I think, you know, here's Mr. Irrelevant set up. I, I, and we'll get into this a little bit more. But the more I watched him and, and, and looked at the film, he just has a little Joe Montana to him. Just, just a bit. Now, I'm not saying he's Joe Montana, but there's some similarities. I think they're going to need him to have a little bit of Joe Montana in him to uh, come out in this matchup. All I've been hearing is that it's a a David and Goliath. It's a Mm. Grand Canyon-sized gap between these quarterbacks. And I'm not sure that that's giving Purdy enough credit. But it's also highlighting the uh, the greatness of Mahomes. I mean, he's going for his third Super Bowl victory here. And I think Max Crosby, the Raiders' star pass rusher, put it best. If the Chiefs don't turn the ball over, they're almost impossible to beat. That's The Niners are going to have to focus in that, in that area. Yeah, and it is a rematch here of the 2020 Super Bowl, and the 49ers were leading in that game heading into the fourth quarter. They were up 20-10. to 10. The Chiefs scored 21 points in 6 minutes and 13 seconds of the game to win 31-20. to 20. So this is a chance for the 49ers to have a little revenge, see if they can get back. That was uh, Andy Reid's first Super Bowl as a head coach, by the way, and Mahomes' first Super Bowl victory. Um, And that was the last really normal sporting event prior to the COVID pandemic. Well, you know, you hit on that, and and, and it's so easy to forget because, you know, COVID's like a big, you know, black hole in our memories, right? But it's interesting to me, and, and this happens in all sports, but especially football, 
I haven't really looked at it, but I'll bet both rosters are almost completely turned over, or at least maybe 60% turned over since then. I know San Francisco's is. And, and even if you look at the Chiefs, I know the defense has been totally turned over. You can name Mahomes, you can name Kelsey, and that's, you know, not a whole lot else there. So, I mean, it, in football, it's it, you, you got to make hay while you can because the roster is going to be different. It's really a true test to see because with the two constants being these coaches Kyle Shanahan kind of got tight in that Super Bowl against Tom Brady as the offensive coordinator as the Falcons kind of got tight late against the Chiefs last time around those two are the the steady factors here I mean you you can't say both quarterbacks are the same both defenses are the same you can't even say both kickers are the same and no more Robbie Gold in San Francisco said these coaches are the mainstays yeah and and the Chiefs won entirely in an entirely different way this year than they did that year. I mean, they were an explosive offense the last couple of Super Bowls that they won. This time, it's really the defense. And and if it wasn't for Mahomes, you know, really lighting things up and coming through when he needs to, I think the defense would get more credit. But let me have you guys finish this statement. If the Chiefs win, it will be because... Um, well, you're, you're taking some of my uh, some of our prediction stuff away, aren't you? <laughs> Don't you're, make you're your prediction yet. Just... Well, I, I will say it, it's bec- I always go to turnovers, and, and I think you, you, you stole the thunder there too. It, it'll be because they didn't turn the ball over. I, I, I think that is such a determinant in the NFL, and it's even more so when teams are evenly matched like this. So now if, if the turnover battle is even, then it's, hard, it's, it's a harder call. But I, I'm going to go number one with whoever wins turnover battle. I, I like it, as I pointed out, as you echoed there, that it, it's going to come down to the turnover battle. But I also think if the Chiefs win, it will because they've been there and done that. Mm. And there's a lot of the core of this team that has been through Super Bowl week before. I mean, almost all of their roster had been there last year when they did win. And so this may be less of a, oh, my gosh, it's the Super Bowl. What are we doing? How do we handle this moment? for the Kansas City side, and I, I think that'll go a long way for them. Yeah, and for me, I'm, I'm interested to see if somebody can come through on the offensive side for the Chiefs, aside from Travis Kelsey, who will step up in this game. And uh, on the flip side, if the 49ers win, it will be because... Well, I'm not going to cop out and say because they win the turnover battle, although I think that <laughs> will be important. Um, I, I'll say because Purdy wasn't was was able to step up to the moment. I mean, this is a big test. I mean, honestly, if he if he has a tough game, it's not like, oh, he, he can't do it. You know, a lot of quarterbacks have trouble the first time out in this kind of situation. Look at Roethlisberger in 06. He, he was bad in that game. Doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? But if Purdy comes up huge, they have an excellent chance. I think the Niners' path to victory is establishing the ground game and not going away from it. There have been times under Shanahan that he gets a little cute in these big moments and I think if they just play the physical downhill run game through Christian McCaffrey I, I think it's it's their game to lose and for me it's it's because they've regained their midseason form there was a time when they looked like the cream of the crop in the in the entire league I mean nobody was going to touch them and then you know they kind of tailed off there at the end of the season and I think a lot of that depends on health if Debo's healthy, if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, that makes a huge difference. And their defense really hasn't been that good, especially in the postseason here, so they definitely need their, their defense to step up. Well, you know, last week is, is almost a microcosm. In the first half, they looked horrible. And then the second half, they looked like world beaters. They were just amazing. So 
It's so hard to figure. But the one thing I will say, you bring up another great point about Shanahan. You know, one of the, one of my favorite sayings that that a, a sports writer said: you can't you can't dance with the champ. You got to knock him out. And if they have a chance late in the game, he cannot go ultra conservative. He's got the weapons. He has to trust his quarterback, trust his system. If they do that, I think they'll be okay. All right, let's talk about the most memorable Super Bowls of all time. Do you guys have one at the top of your head? I, I think straight off the bat, I, I know we have a, a few Steeler fans in the booth here. That Super Bowl 43 that we discussed before the show was 15 years ago. It, it still stands out in my mind as one of the most exciting and memorable Super Bowls. It had the great players. It had the great quarterbacks the game-deciding plays. I mean, whether you want to say it's the James Harrison 100-yard pick six to end the first half or the Santonio Holmes toe tap to end the second half, I mean, that game kind of had everything you were looking for with a slight Steelers bias. Well, I, I don't think you have to be a Steeler fan to think that. That's in the cat. That's in the the uh, running for the best Super Bowl of all time because of those two plays. Kurt Warner was an all-time great quarterback. You know, he he really played well in the second half of that game. Larry Fitzgerald, you, I, I just saw a video the other day. I forgot how he just ran past everybody on he that one so play. He was so good. So good. good. And he had a heck of a postseason that year. Oh, he was so good. And, 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 and two pretty good teams. I'm not saying that either of those teams was an all-time great team like the 85 Bears or something, but that was a great game. But if we're going to go away from the Steelers, I would still go to the greatest show on turf a few years ago with the, the, the game that came right down, you know, the, the reach at the end, a, oh, yes. a yard short with Tennessee. Yes. And, I mean, it's hard to get a better ending than that. Well, it came right down to the wire. How about the uh, Malcolm Butler interception Absolutely. there? Um, and then, of course, um, Fox, Fox Sports ran an article that had one Super Bowl higher than the 2008 Super Bowl. And that was the 2007 Giants victory over the undefeated Patriots. They had a chance to be the second team in NFL history to finish a season totally undefeated. And that was the big, uh, who was the? the Tyrell, right? Ty David Tyree. Tyree, Tyree yeah. yeah with, he, the, with the helmet catch. Exactly, yep. yeah. And that was just a desperation play, and he, and he caught it on his helmet. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a noted Patriots hater, <laughs> and so I did enjoy that. But I have to say, that game... It was. A, I enjoyed the end of it, right? But that was not a fun game to watch. That was a slog. Right. It was I seventeen mean, to fourteen. Yeah, it was. It really was. I mean, and that's what they the Giants did what they had to do. Kudos to them. But I can't say that was a super watchable game. I thought that the the game we were talking about yes. with, with the Cardinals that was More a very very watchable game. I agree with that. Uh, if you think recently, if you're looking for a shootout that uh, satisfies your uh, dislike of the Patriots, what about the Nick Foles Eagles? Oh, that one. That was a shootout yeah. in the truest sense of the word. In the Philly the, special. Yep. That was so fun. Uh, yeah. Does it feel like all of these Super Bowls that we discuss have to have a play that gets a nickname like the Philly special <laughs> or like something like? the James Harrison 100-yard pick. So like, there has to be that memorable play, the uh, the Dyson or uh, the Mike Jones tackle of Kevin Dyson at the one-yard line. Like, It has to have that signature play for it to really be well, that memorable game. And the other thing is I'm a little bit older than you guys, and maybe you don't remember this, but Super Bowls in the 80s were horrible. I mean, there were great teams, but every year was a blowout. Every single year. Yeah, I would there was too, a long When I was 10, 11, they... 12, 13, it's like, oh, this is going to be a great game. Nope, really ends up not being a great game. Some great teams. That Bears team was just scary good, but that that game was horrible. <laughs> so it's it, we're we're sort of um, spoiled now to, to where most of the games are are pretty good. Well, and and we had a few listeners chime in on this. Darren Herzing said Super Bowl XL, and um, that would have been a fun one because uh, Lonnie is a big Seahawks fan. The Steelers pulled that one out, and remember that was the Antoine Randall L touchdown. And then uh, Matt Narone 
said that any of the six Steelers Super Bowl victories, he can remember them all. He was at the 43 Super Bowl in Tampa. That was memorable. So, uh, of course, the Steeler fans were, were drawn to that. So as we go to break here, we're going to come back and we're going to listen or we're going to have an interview with uh, Chiefs Insider to preview their side of the coin. Um, but I'm going to take you to break with this San, San Antonio Holmes touchdown catch. We're sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. Hi, I'm Jenny, the manager over at your Big Deals online store. Did you know that when you shop locally, 83 cents of that dollar stays in town? Local businesses are the lifeblood of our community, and that's why you should shop your Big Deals online store. Dozens of gift certificates to local businesses, all in one convenient place. Shop local from the convenience of your home or smartphone. Visit DuboisBigDeals.com. a fresh perspective on investing with national and local award-winning guardian planners. Listen to Sound Money Management Tuesday mornings at 8.35 featuring Chuck Johnson. Check out Chuckonomics at guardianplanners.com. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing and always need to stick your fingers to test your blood sugar. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. Apply a discrete sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger sticks. If you are living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and you use insulin or have had hypoglycemic events, you might be eligible for a CGM through your insurance benefits. U.S. Med partners with over 500 private insurance companies and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits check. 800-457-9220. That's 800-457-9220. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Welcome back to Under Review. Let's go out to the phone line where we find Katie Marr, a sports anchor and reporter in Topeka, Kansas, who covers the Chiefs. Katie, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, you appreciate you taking the time here. Let's start with the injury report. I saw Chris Jones was a limited participant in a couple of practices last week. He has a quad injury. Any update on that? And is there any other major news on the injury front? Yeah, as of right now, no exact update, but he's pretty much expected to play. I think with a vet like Chris Jones, uh, who came back this season, you know, had the whole contract holdout thing going on. He came, he he wanted to be on the Chiefs because he wanted to win a Super Bowl again this season. Um, I don't think there's much that could really stop him from playing in this game, like most guys, unless it's like a season-ending 
ACL tear or something like that. Uh, they want to do whatever they can to play in the Super Bowl. Uh, like Charles Menehue will not be playing for the Chiefs. He knee injury last week in the AFC Championship, so he's out. That hurts the defense a little bit, but I think Chris Jones is a safe bet to be playing. All right. Well, from from afar here, it felt like the Chiefs were kind of vulnerable this season, especially coming into the playoffs. But here they are. They're back in the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. What's been different in the playoffs versus how they play in the regular season? Yeah, I think the thing with this team and the franchise in general, they all of a sudden just know how to win in the postseason. Um, I mean, for years, Kansas City fans dealt with uh, the woes of being a Chiefs fan, um, never really having much postseason success. And then all of a sudden you get Andy Reid a few years later, you get Patrick Mahomes, who has never not played in an AFC championship game as a starter, um, which is an insane stat. Oh, um, yes. He's not even 30 yet. Um, but I think him, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid, that like little trifecta they've got going on, they just know how to win so well in the postseason. Um, and with Steve Spagnola as a defensive coordinator, um, so good at his job. He's got players that love playing for him. I think a button just or a switch just kind of flipped when it hit the postseason. Um, you know, this is arguably the I don't want to say the worst offense we've seen from the Chiefs in years, but kind of. Um, not as much experience in the receiver room, a lot of drops this season. They're leading the league in drops for most of the year. Um, but something just changes, I think, in their mindset, and they just they know how to win in January and February. Yeah, and one of the reasons perhaps is the reemergence of Travis Kelsey, who in the second half of the regular season, he just didn't look like himself. He only had one touchdown reception in the final nine games. And then he set out that regular season finale against the Chargers, and, and he looks like he always looked in the past. So uh, was it just a matter of getting some rest for him, or did something change in the scheme that got him more involved in the offense here? I think that a lot of it had to do with the other receivers getting some more experience and being able to open up so that Travis Kelsey's not constantly getting double teamed because that's what was happening basically every game. Once they got a few games into the season, people started to realize this Chiefs offense is kind of vulnerable. They don't have as much experience in the receiver room. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the weapons that he's used to having. They're dealing with all these drops. First few games of the season, everything was going to Travis Kelsey. And some people were calling that, you know, the Taylor Swift girlfriend effect, playing better when your girlfriend's in the room or whatever. Um, but it was really just because I think teams hadn't planned for him being the only offensive weapon in the air for a few weeks. And then they catch on to it. Other defenses start planning for it. Um, and then he's getting double teams in every single game. So he's just, Patrick's not able to throw to him as much. Um, so he starts going for other guys that end up dropping the ball and don't have as, as much experience. But, uh, I mean, the emergence of Rasheed Rice, I think, has played a huge part in Travis getting a little more freedom, Isaiah Pacheco getting more involved in the passing game. Um, so once those guys kind of started to get a little bit more involved in that, defenses are like, oh, no, now we have to plan for more than just Travis Kelsey. We can't just double-team him all the time. Um, and Mahomes and Reed and everyone's been saying that all year. Once people start stop double-teaming Travis, he'll get more stuff. Um, and the other receivers will as well. Well, aside from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, um, who is someone else we should keep an eye on in this particular matchup who could have a big impact on the game? It could be on the offensive or defensive side. Yeah, I think if we're talking offense, um, 
I think getting Jarek McKinnon back in, first of all, would be great. He is still questionable and on the IR, um, so it's still up in the air. But having him back in would be a game changer. But if we're talking Jarek McKinnon's out, I think it comes down to Isaiah Pacheco. Um, he's really been kind of the X factor, I would say, for the team this year because he can do it in the air and on the ground. Um, he's forced to be reckoned with uh, in the run game. Um, you see all the memes about the way that he runs like a toddler in a candy store and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but it's true. He's got a fire under him. Um, he's really fun to watch. Um, he really wants to get in the end zone, and I think if he has a good game, a uh, very good chance the Chiefs come out on top. Um, and on the defensive side of things, um, we're going to be probably going to be seeing their first-round draft pick, Felix Enikike Uzama, who actually is a Kansas City native, uh, covered him here in Topeka when he was at K-State. Uh, for the last three years. Um, he's a hometown kid, hasn't gotten as much playing time in his first year as a rookie because um, the defense has been a little bit loaded in his position. But with Charles Domenehue now out, it's looking like he's going to get a lot more playing time. So that's a cool thing to look out for. Um, but, yeah, defensive side, Legarius Sneed does what he can do. Should have been an all-pro. I think Legarius Sneed's the X factor for the defense. Uh, a couple minutes left here with Katie Marr, who covers the Chiefs for uh, a couple of outlets there in Kansas. Um, the Chiefs' defense has been elite this year. What kind of game plan do you expect from Steve Pagnola to slow down a 49ers offense that has so many weapons? Yeah, I mean, this 49ers offense, I think, is the most, second most, would be the most complex, either that or Baltimore, depending on how you view um you know, Brock Purdy versus Lamar Jackson because they're two very different quarterbacks. But I think that this 49ers defense has a lot more, a few more weapons than the Baltimore defense or offense would. Um, so, I mean, you got Christian McCaffrey, you got Brock Purdy, obviously, who's an MVP candidate for most of the season. Um, and then bringing Debo Samuel back into the mix is also a game changer. Um, but I think Steve Spagnola, he is the mastermind on the defensive front, um, and his players love playing for him. They all, after the game, were telling us, you know, he's the type of coach that makes you want to be a better man and stuff like that. Um, they wear the In Spags We Trust uh, custom T-shirts. Justin Reed's actually selling those for, like, a charitable cause, which is cool. Um, but, yeah, I think Steve Spagnola is going to dial up something good. He's got two weeks to do it, um, but he knows that the 49ers bring – really tough challenge so I think it's going to be a really I don't know about a high scoring affair I think it kind of stays in the 20s um, because two good offenses two good defenses just like we saw in Baltimore Um, I think it's going to be a close one yet again well a few quick hitters and then we'll get you out of here Katie Um, finish this statement if the Chiefs win this game it will be because ooh, the defense I think it's all going to come down to that all right, and then let's go with with this one. Uh, finish this statement. If the Chiefs lose, it will be because? Uh, drops and inexperience in the air. All right, and then we can't let you go without offering a prediction here. Who wins and what's your final score? I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win, and I think it's going to be a close one. I'm thinking 27-24. All right. Well, decided by a field goal. It would be a fun one to watch then for sure. And I, I did see that uh, Patrick Mahomes is so good against the, the spread as an underdog. So I, I do like your prediction. Katie, thanks so much. How can we follow you? I am on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at WIBWKatie, um, Instagram at Katie Marr with two R's. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for taking the time and enjoy your time in Vegas and good luck in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Thanks so much.
When we return, we'll talk to a 49ers insider to get the perspective from the other side. Stay with us on Under Review, sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. Do you know someone who's facing financial or personal hardship due to cancer? Would you like to help them during this difficult time? The Randy Carlson Memorial is accepting nominations for their 2024 beneficiary now through February 29th. Just go to xhlhockey.net and click Nomination Application on the homepage. The event for the beneficiary will be at the Outdoor Hockey Rink in Brockway on Saturday, May 18th. Join us and help someone in their fight against cancer. If you're tired of the fake news and tired of all the left-wing BS and agendas out there, if you want to do your right part to clean out the swamps and hit the lefties where it hurts, their pocketbook, we all know the president and his cronies hired thousands more IRS employees and agents. Now that's not very American. There's a way to fight back. Fellow conservatives out there, call American Tax Relief. They can help you pay less to the IRS. Don't you give a penny more to spend to the left-wing agendas. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes or haven't filed your taxes in years, call my friends at American Tax Relief. They'll give you a 100% free introduction to their program. And trust me, they're on the right side of your freedom. Pay the IRS less. Call now. 800-947-2132. 800-947-2132. That's 800-947-2132. Paid for by the tax doctor. Number one cause of death for adults 18 to 45 fentanyl. There's so much at stake. And don't think for a second China doesn't know what they're doing when they send it over. Stay close to the news. We've got you covered at the push of a button. 96.7 and 99.7 FM and 14.20 AM on Alexa, on your smartphone. We're in the App Store and Google Play and at connectradio.fm. Do you know someone who's facing financial or personal hardship due to cancer? Would you like to help them during this difficult time? The Randy Carlson Memorial is accepting nominations for their 2024 beneficiary now through February 29th. Just go to xhlhockey.net and click Nomination Application on the homepage. The event for the beneficiary will be at the Outdoor Hockey Rink in Brockway on Saturday, May 18th. Join us and help someone in their fight against cancer. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Welcome back to Under Review. We heard from Katie Marr about the Chiefs. Now it's time to get an insider's take on the 49ers. It's my pleasure to welcome Peter Panacey, who covers the 49ers for a variety of media outlets. Back to the show. Peter, how are you? Doing pretty good. How you doing? We're great. Glad to have you back on and, and talking about the Super Bowl. Are you in Las Vegas right now, Peter? No, I am not. I am happily <laughs> covering the Super Bowl from home. Uh, ever since my son was born, I'm like, I'm going to try to stay as as uh, as grounded as possible for as long as possible. Well, so, uh, that definitely, no Super Bowl travel plans. Yeah, it definitely changes things. But uh, let's start with the injury report, report. George Kittle had a setback last week when he didn't practice, apparently a toe injury. Any update on that and any other major news on the injury front? Yeah, he's come out multiple times and said it's nothing. And, you know, when, when you get to this point where there's just you're saving it for one game, I... 
having talked to George Kittle a couple of times, there's not going to be anything keeping him from this. Um, is it something to watch during the game if he's got a little bit of a gimp? Maybe. But when he goes out there and says that he will be okay, you have to think that him not practicing is more precautionary than anything else. It's not like he needs it. Uh, so I wouldn't be worried about that whatsoever. Well, rightly or wrongly, Brock Purdy does seem to get his fair share of criticism. Uh, do you see this as a chance for him to really solidify himself as a true, you know, good quarterback in this league versus just being a game manager? Oh, totally. You know, I, I think the people who are coming across saying that he's a game manager just don't really watch a lot of his games, and that's fine. You know, it's 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 very common for people who aren't on the West Coast to see West Coast games. We get that. Uh, if you've watched him over the course of the full year, you'll see that he makes plays, right? That it, it goes beyond just operating in a system. 49er fans know this very well. They had Jimmy Garoppolo here for years. That was a, you know, a game manager type quarterback. Um, Brock Purdy is more of an elevator. And you, know, you see these last two playoff games, um, first against the Packers, and then, uh, of course, against the Lions, where the Niners are behind, they need Brock Purdy to go out and be money late in the game, even though he might not have played his best up to that point. And he does that. So, you know, whether or not that's the storyline in the Super Bowl, that's obviously yet to be determined. But doing this on a national stage, especially in the wake of two, you know, clutch moment type games down, you know, late in the game to, to keep the 49ers advancing, I think that would be the ultimate statement that would probably make the people who are criticizing him pipe down a lot more or just or thin out that hurt a lot well uh, we obviously got to see him quite a bit obviously you know we the Steelers played the Niners first week and that was a huge win and I, that got us paying attention and and, and I, I guess I want to kind of extend what Bob was talking about a little bit and put you a bit on the spot I'm probably older than you I remember the Joe Montana years very well the more I watch him the more I get that Montana vibe because he's not he doesn't have the biggest arm. He wasn't a high draft pick. You know, he might not run as well. But you know what? He always seems to make the right decisions and make the right throws. I'm interested to see what you think of that comparison. Yeah, it's come up. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, uh, how old was I? I think one and a half when the 49ers won their first Super Bowl. So I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 80. But yeah, I grew up in the 80s and, and saw the Montana years. And, and, uh, yeah, a different era of quarterbacking, but at the same time, you just always had the confidence that Montana would go out there and do what was needed to, to, to win games, and then some. You know, obviously he was considered the greatest quarterback of all time for a long time, but you just always knew. Like, he's going to make the right reads. He's going to make the right throws. He's going to come through in the clutch. Um, Purdy has a lot of that. Uh, you know, it's, it's only year two for him, so, I mean, you look at what Joe Montana was doing in year two, and Still very young. Nobody knew he would be who he was. Same thing with Tom Brady. A lot of people are comparing, uh, you know, Brock Purdy's ascent, I guess. You know, Tom Brady picked number 199, and it took Brady multiple Super Bowls before people are like, okay, <laughs> all right, all right, it's, it's, he's good, he's good. Um, this isn't to say, and I know somebody's shaking their head right now, that, but this isn't to say Brock Purdy is the next Montana, the next Brady. Nobody knows. But you see the comparisons, right? Like, okay, this guy is doing a lot of the things necessary to win while not necessarily being the prototype quarterback that people are familiar with these days, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allen, you know, big guy, huge cannon of an arm, can run all over the field. Um, but he's making plays in different ways. And that 
counts for something, you know, and it might just take longer given his draft status, uh, given the fact that, you know, he's got a ton of weapons. There's a lot of, like, a lot of reasons why people are saying, well, he's this quarterback, he's a game manager because he's playing in a quarterback friendly offense or he has all the weapons around him. You know, it's going to take a longer amount of time for him to gain that respect than it would be if he was a, you know, first-round draft pick or a top-ten pick or something like that. Well, and before my next question, I have to comment that as a Steeler fan who watched a team with quite a few weapons struggle most of the year, mainly because they didn't really get good quarterback play, I think teams in your situation and fans in your situation have a tendency to take things for granted because he made your guy made some plays, believe me. Um, But I wanted to take you back. You know, you were on the show before the season, and you were very, very high on the 49ers, with good reason, of course. But uh, tell me, how how has this season played out? Has this met your expectations? Did You know, they had that bump in the middle of the season. Other than that, they've really, really taken care of business. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I thought that it would get to another deep run in the playoffs. You know, at least, you know, not a, not a one and done, but another deep run into the playoffs. Because once you get into the postseason, it's so hard. It's just up in the air, right? Um, but I, I expected that. You know, I said, okay, this is probably going to be an 11 or a 12-win team. Um, bumps in the road have come along in the Kyle Shanahan era. You know, they've been there. Uh, and, you know, you, you look at that with that three game losing streak or whatever it was two of the games were, were on the road. Uh, two of them were relatively close. Could be wins, right? Um, every championship team is going to have some adversity, you know, like you, you don't have teams going out there, you know, winning every single game and dominating fashion. And then they just steamroll through the playoffs and win it all. You need to have that adversity. I remember it was Richard Sherman said it, I think right after that losing streak that, uh, you know, it's good it happened then, you know, as opposed to in the postseason. So it went, I won't say I predicted like this to happen, but this was kind of my expectation, and I'm not surprised by where it ended up at all. What lessons can the 49ers take from their matchup against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl four years ago to come up with a different outcome this time? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because it's almost as if the tables have turned as far as each team's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, four years ago, it was the Niners' defense that kind of was going to carry the show, right? And, and Jimmy Garoppolo is an okay quarterback, but that was going to be a defensive show. You know, the 49ers were going to win that game. It had to be on their laurels with their defense. And for three quarters almost, they, they did that. They shut down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs for the first three quarters about uh, this year, it's the Chiefs' defense. And the Chiefs, four years ago, is their offense that everybody's talking about. Their defense was good, but, I mean, it was the offense. Now it's kind of flipped. It's the Niners' offense carrying the defense. The Niners' defense is good, really good, but uh, not, not what it was four years ago, per se. And now it's the Chiefs' defense, which, gosh, what was it? I think it's top three. Uh, I think, like, top three or top two uh, scoring defense in the NFL this season. They've been on a tear in the playoffs. I forget. I think they're averaging like 16 points against in the postseason so far. So that's, you know, the Chiefs have the defense now. All of a sudden you have to think about, and it's going to have to be the 49ers offense exploiting that. So Niners have a a, a better quarterback under center this go around. A lot of the same weapons, a lot of the same players who were there four years ago, you know. So the the hype, the the attention surrounding the game, that's not going to be anything new. 
So uh, that experience will be valuable. But, yeah, I think it's, it's just flipped. It's interesting how it is. It's the 49ers offense now against the Chiefs defense. That's going to be the storyline. Uh, given that flip in the storyline, we have to ask, what's your prediction for the game? What, what's your what's your score? <laughs> you know, I, I always laugh about this because no matter what I predict, uh, it's like the opposite happens. <laughs> Maybe not necessarily winners and losers, but like, you know, I, I did this on our own uh, fan-sided, uh, fan-sided uh, Kansas City Chiefs podcast they had me on, and said, look, everybody's probably thinking it's going to be a low-scoring game because Chiefs defense and Niners defense is really good. So low-scoring game, take the under, whatever. And I said, this is probably going to be some crazy high-scoring affair then just because whatever I say, usually the opposite happens. So I was initially going to say, like, look for just a complete shootout. You know, stays close, or you know, low-scoring maybe for the first half, but in the second half it just completely unravels. Uh, go... Oof. 31-28 49ers. And then now that I've said that, it'll probably be something like 17-13 49ers. And i got to go with 49ers. I, I, I do think they're the superior team. Counting out the Chiefs and Mahomes and Andy Reid, Kelsey and Chris Jones, all those guys, I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're champions for a reason. But I think, you know, pound for pound, the 49ers are, are the better team here. Well, if you're on enough shows, Peter, you can make all kinds of predictions. You're bound to be right somewhere. But, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, we pre- appreciate you taking the time and uh, hope you enjoy the Super Bowl, Peter. You betcha. And same to you as well. All right. Thanks. When we return, we'll make our predictions on the game and take you through some of the prop bets. Stay with us on Under Review, sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. The numbers say it all. 65% of Americans' shopping budgets are still spent in-store, and 61% shop at local businesses because of their unique products. Plus, small businesses employ almost 60 million people, and 56% of workers at locally owned businesses have high commitment scores. What do all those numbers mean? That shopping small and shopping local benefits you and our community. So get away from that keyboard and shop in person and local at businesses today. The Day Spa of Dubois on Brady Street in downtown Dubois. Junk Dealer's Daughter, located on West Long Avenue in Dubois. Day Spa 10, across from Luigi's on Brady Street in Dubois. Winery of Wilcox, on Beeline Highway, across from Wendy's. Merle Norman Boutique, located on Brady Street, across from the Dubois Public Library. And Infused IV Bar, located on Midway Drive in Dubois. With Sunny 106 and Connect FM. Hi, this is Gordon Deal. Thursday on This Morning, America's First News. After a bipartisan agreement to address issues at the southern border collapsed, does the White House have any other options in this election year? Also, there's still a spotlight trained on Boeing 737 MAX jets after the decompression incident last month. Is the plane safe to travel on? And employee rights if you're told you must return to the office. Thursday on This Morning, America's First News. 99.7-96.7 Connect FM. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. 
Well, we'd like to thank our guests for joining us, giving us a little bit more insight into the game. And um, Katie Marr, I just thought I'd give a shout out to her because today is National Women in Sports Day. So always good to have females on too and talking sports with us. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, hey, it's that time of the show, guys. We get to finally make our predictions. But, but before we do that, this is expected to be the most bet upon sporting event in history. And probably every Super Bowl just make history from here on out as gambling becomes more and more a thing. Um, and it might be fitting that it's in Vegas this year. But according to NBC News, nearly 68 million American adults will place a bet on this year's Super Bowl. That's one out of every four adults. Are you guys betting on the game? No. Uh, no. I, I, uh, I'm going to save myself now and uh, stick out of it. Well, like Peter said, it's so unpredictable. So it's probably a smart bet to not bet. But uh, let's offer our predictions. The 49ers are favored. Last I saw by two and a half points. Who do you guys have winning? Why? And what is your final score? Okay, well, I'm going to go with the 49ers for a couple reasons. Number one, you know, their point differential is almost 200 this year. That That's crazy. That's elite, elite stuff. And, you know, the Chiefs, we, we talked about it. I, I actually thought they were vulnerable going into the playoffs. I thought they got a great matchup to start out with with Miami. I mean, Miami wasn't going to win in a cold weather city, so that that they caught a little bit of a break there, um, you know. And then credit to them, Kelsey came out of his shell a little bit and played a fantastic game last, you know, against Baltimore. And Baltimore didn't; they just kind of let down. I, you know, I I went into that figuring that that was Baltimore's game to lose. But man, and 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 look, I we all underestimate Mahomes at our own peril. I get that, but. All things being equal, and they usually aren't, but all things being equal, I think they just have a lot more talent on both sides of the ball. If you take Kelsey out of the game, I'm not sure what what should what. I mean, I know Rice has been good, but Kelsey is what drives that offense really as much as Mahomes in some ways. And so, but but San Francisco's got all these different weapons. They got so many different ways they can beat you on offense, and their and their defense, while they've been a little bit shaky, they do have a lot of talent there. So, uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to say a little bit more low scoring. I'm going to say 27-20. I'll rock with the complete other end of the spectrum here. I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the fact that they've figured out their formula and that they've been able to employ it now in three consecutive postseasons, they just don't turn the ball over. Patrick Mahomes hasn't turned the ball over in the postseason since his last pass attempt to Tyreek Hill when Tyreek Hill was still a Kansas City Chief, and they haven't lost since. They've not lost a game since then, and I I think that method is going to continue. They're, the offense isn't as high scoring now. They're not having as many shot plays down the field, but it's come with the benefit of not turning the ball over and dominating the control. Their defense actually has played well this postseason. Both defenses came in, I'd say, on fairly equal footing. I'd have both put, put them both in the top five. The Green Bay Packers kind of had their way with the 49ers defense early on. The Detroit Lions certainly did. I, but if you'd asked me three of the hardest offenses to stop in the AFC this year, I'd have told you Miami, Buffalo, hmm. and Baltimore. Yeah. Kansas City's done an excellent job with all three, and so I think they're going to continue that success. I've got the Chiefs 26-17. All right, I like it. So I'm the tie-breaking vote here. And sorry, Dave, I got to vote against you here. I'm going to go with the Chiefs too. And like you said, Henry, uh, everybody's talking about Patrick Mahomes versus Brock Purdy. How about Steve Spagnola versus Kyle Shanahan? And um, I, I just believe that the Chiefs defense has been playing better than the 49ers defense. 
I think that they'll find a way to to make the big stops or make the big plays when they need to. And I've been underestimating Patrick Mahomes all season. And like you said, to my own peril, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. You're not going to fool me a fourth time. So I am going to take uh, the Chiefs in this one. Patrick Mahomes is 10-1-1 against the spread. He's he's outdueled Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Um in the end, I, I just trust him a little bit more. So I'll say the Chiefs win 24 to 20. All right, now let's get into some um, some untraditional wagers here, some prop bets, and the, and the Super Bowl is unique for that. I, I looked up some that are kind of fun. They're good, they're good for the casual fan, and I'll take you through a few, and you guys can offer your predictions. Uh, we'll make these fairly quick, but um, the coin toss, heads or tails? I always take tails. Tails as well. You know that tails actually has come up more uh, in Super Bowls. In 57 Super Bowls, tails comes up 30 times. Head, heads has come up 27 times. And tails has come up in seven of the last 10 Super Bowls. Wow, uh, we are really into some... <laughs> uh, well, I, I, well, do you want the ball first or do you defer? I always it, defer. Defer. Every single time. Okay, all right. Uh, and fun fact, the team that has won the coin toss has lost the last eight Super Bowls. So you guys should watch the coin toss this year. How about the national anthem, over or under 90.5 seconds? Who's singing it? Reba McIntyre, the queen of country. Over. <laughs> Absolutely over. We're lockstep so far. All right. Well, she has performed the Star Spangled Banner several times publicly. The most famous was Game 3 of the 1997 World Series. That rendition came in at 83 seconds. Uh-oh. So Ooh. I don't know. Seven of the past 10 national anthems, though, have surpassed the two-minute mark. How many times will Taylor Swift be shown on camera during the game, over or under five and a half? Ooh, that's tough. That's about. That's a good line. That's a really good yeah. line. I'm going to say over, but just because they want the exposure. During the game, or does that include the post-game trophy ceremony? <laughs> I would say just the whole time. Okay, I'll, I'll take the over then, because I, I have a feeling, just a, a gut sense that if the Chiefs win, we may see a proposal on the field. Ooh, that was going to be my next question, so uh, we'll get to that, but will she even make the game? She's in I, Tokyo the day before. Yeah, that's true. If she doesn't make the game, I think it's no bet. I mean, my, my bet, my, my answer assumes that she makes it from Tokyo. Yeah, it's a 12-hour flight. Okay, so will Travis Kelsey propose to Taylor Swift after the game? Yes or no, Dave? I'm going to say no, but but this is my, my hot take. If they win, everybody's talking about Reed retiring. I say Kelsey retires. Mm. He's th- mm. He turns 35 in October. What's he have left to prove? And he's, a, he's an first ballot Hall of Famer. His brother just retired. Yeah, and they've got the uh, the media empire going there. The Kelsey brothers have a, an excellent show that they're doing, and that's certainly gaining in popularity the more fans he picks up from uh, Taylor's fan base. Uh, it's not a not a bad thought. And you said yes to the yes, proposal. Yes, I, I believe oh. so. All right, Vegas is offering six to one odds on that. So, <laughs> what what color Gatorade will be poured on the winning coach? Oh, we got goodness. orange, blue, red, or other. I always see, think I see red, so I'm going to go with red. But I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'll say blue. Why not? It'll probably be white. Yeah. The Gatorade bath began in 1986. Bill Parcells Parcells. received the honor. Um, Since then, orange leads the way with five. Not by much, though. I'm going to go other. The Chiefs used purple last year. And by the way, yellow is clearly the best flavor. Do you guys agree? No, orange. I I drink orange. orange. Uh, I agree. Oh, wow. Okay. Who will be the MVP? You got a choice. A quarterback or any other position? I'll take the field. Quarterback? No, I'll take any any other. Oh, okay. 
I'll take the quarterback. If I'm going to pick a Chiefs win, I would find it hard to believe that they wouldn't give it to Patrick Mahomes. Well, quarterbacks have won 12 of the past 15 MVPs. Mahomes has won two of the last three. If it isn't a quarterback, what position? I'm, I'm going to go with running back. I'm saying CMC has 150 yards mm. here. That's, that's my pick. I, I like running back, I, I guess, in either instance. If it's not going to be a quarterback, I think Pacheco could do some damage to that Niners front that the Lions gashed. 25 years since we've had a, an MVP from the running back position. Terrell Davis? Yes, exactly. Very good. Which means we're due. Hidden vigorous, there Bob. There you go. How about will there be a missed field goal or point after? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, No. In, uh, indoor, good, too good conditions. I, I'll say yes, a rookie kicker in Jake Moody. This is clearly going to be the biggest stage he's ever been on, and he's been far from consistent this season. I say he pulls one. Okay. Yeah, uh, Moody's, what, three for five this postseason. Seven for seven in extra points, though. So. Um, first offensive play, run or pass? Pass. Uh, run. Okay, the Chiefs love to throw. 49ers, a little more balanced. Probably depends on which team gets the ball first. If the Steelers were playing and get the ball first, I would say run all day long. Um, the effective o- run. Yeah. <laughs> the opening kickoff result, in a, does it result in a touchback, yes or no? Yes. I yes. mean, that's, everything seems to result in a touchback these days. Only three of the previous 31 have resulted in a touchback in the Super Bowl, and all three were kicked indoors, but, you know, the kickoff rules changed too. Uh, what will be the result of the opening drive? Touchdown, field goal, punt, or other? I'm going to go with punt. I'll take a touchdown. I think the Chiefs start with the ball and uh, march it right down the field. Okay. In the past 23 Super Bowls, only one has produced an opening drive touchdown, and that was a kickoff return for a score from? Devin Hester. Devin Hester, Super Bowl 41. Very good. All right. uh, Those are just a few of the wonderful prop bets that are out there. Thanks for amusing me here, fellas. We encourage responsible betting here at Under Review. (laughs) Yes, yes. Don't uh, wager the house here. Uh, We're going to take one more break. When we return, we'll close out the show with a pawn further review and get lost. Stay with us on Under Review, sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. Feeling like you're part of the family is what has driven Spitzer Auto World. And 120 years later, as a fourth-generation family business, it continues to be what defines us. Join us in celebrating what makes our family strong during our 120th anniversary sale. And enter for your chance to win two Pittsburgh Penguins tickets and get your chance to get on the ice, take a shot, and win a car. Plus, even if you can't win a car, you'll never miss your shot to save because your ride is protected by all the benefits that come with the Spitzer Shield. Join our family today and discover what 120 years of excellence is like at Spitzer Dubois and St. Mary's. Enter for your chance to win two Pittsburgh Penguins tickets and get your chance to get on the ice, take a shot, and win a car during our 120th anniversary sale. Visit spitzer.com backslash contest for details. At Spitzer, our world revolves around Ness and Associates, insurance and investments. At Ness and Associates Insurance, we help our customers protect what matters most. It could be their business or it could be their family. We get to know our customers and customize coverage for their needs. We offer life, health, disability, as well as investment options to help you plan for all stages of your life. Stop by their Dubois office today or call Ness and Associates Insurance at 371-6756. Our family protecting yours since 1932. 
Each weekday morning in February, listen to Your Morning Connection from 7 to 9. Listen for your cue to call and a chance to win Lucky Leprechaun, the new scratch-off game from the Pennsylvania Lottery, with 10 top prizes of $100,000. The Pennsylvania Lottery benefits older Pennsylvanians. You must be 18 years or older to play. Please play responsibly. Listen for your chance to win on 99.7 and 96.7 Connect FM. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Welcome back to Under Review. We're in our Upon Further Review segment where we each share something that caught our attention in sports this week. And we've been Super Bowl heavy all day long here. But uh, if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, now's your chance. Dave, you can lead us off. Well, you know me. I, you're so organized and you've got everything. And, and I'm actually calling an audible. I had a whole different thing to talk <laughs> about. But the conversation we just had off the air has me thinking that we should revisit this. Because uh, you said that you read that Peter King thinks that gambling is going to be a major problem because kids are growing up with it. It's so accessible. I couldn't agree more. I'm actually appalled that it's it's available. You know, you watch a game and, oh, here's your second quarter line. And, you know, even the Penguins game. Oh, you know, here's the parlay and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like it's too easy. It takes tremendous discipline not to, you know, I, I yeah, okay, you can start betting 50 cents. But then the next thing you know, you're betting five bucks. And then you're betting 10 bucks. And then you're betting 50 bucks. And. It, it can. I've seen it really, really knock some people down. I think that's that's very dangerous. And none of us, unless you do this day in, day out, and you're you know you're really, really studying all this stuff. There's so much luck involved. If you're going to win at that over the long haul, you're, you're taking very, very, very small advantages. Um, and even then, it's no sure thing. And this is the story I was going to tell you off the air. I I was out of sports betting, hadn't done any, and last year. Um, I got in a situation, actually, uh, my son got in a situation where he, he, there was a hedge available in, in fantasy football, mm. basically, where if I made a, a sports bet, there was no way we could lose if, is, because you're going to win ways. one or the other. Yeah, because one of a certain running other. back, he, or a wide receiver he had that if he got a certain amount of points, he was going to win the league. And if he didn't, it was going to go the other way. So I bet the other way on it. Okay. Guess which game it was? What's the only game that hasn't completed that you guys can ever remember? It was oh, the, uh, the Bengals and Bills. That's yeah. exactly right. Oh, my goodness. And so it's the only bet I've made in the last decade, and it didn't. It was an absolute can't miss, and it missed because the game was, was null and void, uh, and I didn't get the bet was, was, was null. And so that was, that was another lesson that you never, ever really know. There are no sure things. No like, sure thing. You you have the Guido if that happens. I mean, <laughs> that's just really bad luck right there. Well, I was just shaking my. I mean, obviously, I was I was heartbroken yes. for Hamlin. Oh, right? yeah. That was the first thought. But yes. you know, and then my son and I were watching the game, and I'm because I'd explained the whole thing about a hedge and and how this guarantees. Okay, you lose a little bit, but you know, yeah. you, you lose a little bit on the upside, but it guarantees some win. And then this happens, and he. He didn't win the league. So it well, was the worst of all worlds. Speaking of that, you know, I'm, I'm in, um, you know, I talked to a family member here who is in a, in a pick six contest. Every week you pick six games. It's gone throughout the whole season. It's come down to the Super Bowl. He's tied with another fella. And I mean, they play for pretty good money. I mean, it's like 1300 bucks. And um, I'm always the advocate of take the split, take the split, oh, yes. take the split. 
It didn't sound like it was going to do it. I texted him the other day. He took the split. Smart so, move. Always yeah. a smart move. Yeah. Henry, what do you got? Uh, in preparation for the show, I wasn't sure if we were going to get to talk any of the uh, Senior Bowl week or mm, Daniel I love Jeremiah's uh, top 50 big board. I, I just want to point out that the offensive linemen at this year's Senior Bowl kicked the butts of the <laughs> defensive linemen. And I, I think it, there's two things there. There's eight potential first-round offensive tackles, three uh, interior offensive linemen that were in the top 50 as well. 11 of the 50 players were the offensive line. Not so much the case for the defensive linemen. So you've got a bit of a weaker class and a stronger class. But it was just dominance from day one, rep one, clear through the end. I think we're seeing the result of... The quarterback injuries, we're seeing the result of the excellent edge rushers that came into the game. A lot of good young men have been training to be the next group of offensive linemen to protect these quarterbacks. They're following the money to their NFL dreams, and it's primed to be a great class. Well, that's music to my ears, that's for sure. And uh, I already have a man crush in this draft, uh, Jackson Powers Johnson. Circle that name. Remember it, JPJ. We'd have two JPJs on the Steelers, by the way, if that happens. A center from uh, Oregon? Yes. Yeah. And, and um, you know, the Steelers have a long line of, of centers in their history. And he's right now my, my man crush for the first round. I can't blame him. He looked fantastic. Um, so we only have a couple minutes left. But did you guys hear the news that Ron Cook announced his retirement I this did. week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this will be his last week writing for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He was a, a host on the a co-host on the um, 93.7 The Fan for a long time. His first column ran in 1990. He spent 34 years covering Pittsburgh sports. And I just got to thinking, imagine 34 years of covering Pittsburgh sports and all the highs, all the lows from Stanley Cup wins to Super Bowl trophies to bankruptcy and, you know, disappointments in game sevens of, uh, you know, the NLCS. So first off, um, your thoughts on Ron Cook. And secondly, do you have a favorite moment as a Pittsburgh sports fan in those 34 years that he covered the Steelers, the Penguins, Pirates? Well, definitely the the, the, the favorite moment's easy. I think, uh, Probably the uh, 16 cup would probably be my favorite. I mean, look, it's hard to pick. We've talked about this before, but I was a season ticket holder. I was very invested in that. It wasn't, you weren't sure coming into that season if they were actually going to be any good. They switched coaches, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's that. With Ron Cook, he has his critics, but my I maintain that if you're a good opinion writer, you're going to tick some people off. There's no way to do it. If you, you know, what, what did, um, uh, the Alabama coach Saban say, if you, if you want everybody to like you, sell sell ice cream or something. I mean, <laughs> it, it's the truth. And, and in this business, I'm sure there are people who listen to us and are like, what is this glass talking about? He's an idiot. But he, you can't just take the safe way out. And I thought the thing I liked about Ron was he always he spoke his mind, but he did it respectfully. He didn't take cheap shots. He wasn't some shock jock. I, I think miles more him than I do of the super genius, for example. Um, did I agree with everything he wrote? No, definitely not. But I respected it. Uh, the one thing I always liked about Ron was that I always felt that he was being genuine. It didn't feel like there was a lot of clickbait. It didn't feel like there were a lot of opinions that were made just to make noise. Yeah. Yes, it, it felt like those were his genuine opinions. And so I can I can take anyone's sports opinions and take them in stride if I feel like that's something the person actually believes. And so that, I, that was something I always respected about the way he spoke and the way he wrote. In terms of my favorite sports moment, I think... I'd have to go with 
the 09 Cup, just seeing that young team come together. I mean, 16 is up there because you weren't sure if that, that core was ever going to get back there after a good stretch of not being able to get over the hump. But just to see Sid the Kid as still a kid win, that was pretty special. All right, we got to get lost here, so I'll just kick it off here. I'm going to say hashtag get lost to Super Bowls being numbered with Roman numerals. Oh, I like that. Come uh, on. I'm, I'm confused. After oh, 50, forget You're a teacher. It. You should be able to figure that uh, out. And then get, hashtag get lost of having to work on Monday after the Super Bowl. Can't we just make it a holiday? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hashtag get lost to Brendan Dillon. We talked a little bit about it off the air. I'm sick and tired of this guy's cheap shots. He needs to go away. Hashtag get lost to poor field conditions for NFL teams. Last year's Super Bowl was slippery. This year it seems like the Niners practice field at a UNLV isn't up to standard. So let's get these guys some good fields. It's the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe they're experimenting too much with turf. But uh, hey, thanks guys. Remember that our showtime will be moving back to 6 o'clock starting in two weeks. For Dave Glass and Henry Sutter, I'm Bob Anderson. Enjoy the Super Bowl and catch you next week.